Welcome to the third episode of Where I'm Coming From, a new podcast that captures life experiences in Africa, one gripping interview at a time. In today's episode, we hear the life story of Titus Sagala, a man whose journey from childhood poverty to a position of leadership, where he's now working to lift others out of poverty, is both exciting and moving. Along the way, he'll be kidnapped by Somali pirates, fall in love with his wife, and above all, learn what it takes to stand tall and be a leader. It's a great story told in his own voice, but first, a quick word about where these podcasts come from. These podcasts are brought to you by the charity Sendakal, who are helping farming families in Africa to lift themselves out of poverty for good. Our Mother and Child Appeal will help mothers in the poorest parts of Africa to give their children the best start in life. Your donation will be doubled by the UK government until the 31st of December. So please support now at www.sendakau.org. Titus Sigala is the head of Sendakau in Kenya, where he works to help struggling farming families lift themselves out of poverty. However, as we're about to hear, his own childhood was tainted by poverty, and he had to fight harder than most to turn his life around. What's interesting about today's story is how easy it could have been, in so many instances, for Titus to give up under the weight of hardship. Yet, as he says himself, no situation is as hopeless as people would think. So here it is, it's Titus in his own words, on his journey from poverty to leadership. Uh, what I remember about my childhood is uh, the way I grew up in a large family. Uh, my father was polygamous, he had two wives, and uh, we were a total of uh, 20 children. What I remember most is how my mother struggled to enable us uh, have something to eat. We worked very hard to go to school. I, I remember for the first parts of primary school, uh, we were going to school bare feet. I actually wore my first shoe when I went to secondary school, and it was a very difficult. Uh, it was very difficult for me even to wear that shoe because um, naturally I was not used to wearing shoes. And uh, when I wore my my first shoes to form one, I I, I felt the pressure of the shoe. Um, so by the time I was getting used to it, it, it was a really difficult uh, moment for me. In fact, sometimes I would, I would remove the shoes to continue working on bare feet. The most part I remember about hunger when I was a child was um, when we would go to school at lunchtime. All the pupils would go back to their homes to get the lunch. But uh, for me, we would go back home and um, we wouldn't find anything because our mother would not afford to make lunch. Uh, we would just go home, maybe get a, a cup of water and back to, to school. Our mother would be working on somebody's, on somebody's farm so that uh, she can get some little money that she can use then to prepare the dinner for us. We would see other children who had financial security uh, very much unlike us. And uh, 
we would envy them. Looking at them and the background of their families, their parents seem to have had an education. So we would feel that um, they have that financial security because of the place they are coming from. It sort of also motivated us to try and find that education. When you are growing up, uh, lots of children who had uh, privileged backgrounds or who are financially secure would really mock us. And not just the children, that would extend even to, to parents who would, uh, they would look at us and uh, they would make comments that made us feel that we are lesser. That mocking made me feel very, very bad. And especially when it touched on my mother and, uh, and her siblings directly. At that time of childhood, I had uh, one close friend, his name was Alex. He was my good friend because sometimes the father would bring him some books and because we were friends, I would borrow a book from, from him to read. <laughs> the first book I really enjoyed uh, from my friend, uh, which made some interesting reading with some difficult English, was called Wuthering Heights. It's, it's a really old book, but I, I know it was talking about Jen Eyrie and some farming in UK in the Wuthering Heights. <laughs> oh my God, first girlfriend, um, hmm. she must have been a lady from a neighboring village. She was called Rose. Because uh, Rose was from a more privileged family, initially I felt a bit sheepish when talking to her. But um, eventually well, we became uh, good friends and closer because she would uh, ask me to help her with uh, her homework. In 1984, uh, when I was informed to, there was a mathematics competition organized by a very prominent school in uh, Kenya called uh, St. Patrick's Eten. And uh, we went on the, on the stage, on the podium, and we were given very tricky sums. So there was one particular question that uh, was asked and we were given five minutes to tackle it. And out of uh, 21 students, none of them got that one right except me. My teacher congratulated me and uh, said, please keep this up. That was a, a moment that I am not able to forget in my life. When I was a teenager, those days we really did not have what we have these days in terms of television, videos, cassettes, they are used to come every, every month. There was a, a public a film from the Kenya Film Corporation. 
so we would gather in a marketplace to watch and um, there were action movies and I remember two characters called Bud Spencer and Terence Hill. Bud Spencer is a huge a huge fellow and Terence Hill was a, a, a slim guy and they would uh, be involved in a situation where they would uh, fight so many people but they emerge as uh, winners and they would do it in such a cool manner a lot of action and, and fighting then um, there was also what we called mobile libraries where the Kenya National Library Service uh, moved around schools it's, it's a huge van it's a library actually we would go in there and uh, borrow books it was not necessary that you return the book on their next visit but uh, I made it a habit to get a book, read it, and return it. I, in that manner, I read lots of Kiswahili books, uh, which enabled me to sharpen my, my Kiswahili, which was not uh, really good at that time. My family was still in poverty at this time. I recall my mom at times being sad that she could not uh, feed us. Uh, there's a particular case where she went to work for somebody and then instead of the person paying her, he said that uh, he doesn't have any money that day and yet she was depending on that money to buy some food for us. Uh, that day, it was a very sad day for her because uh, I could see in her eyes the type of sadness that um, she was not able to give us any food and we were looking upon her. I, I never saw her eat. She would always make sure that uh, we are eating and um, I would not know exactly what time she was eating herself. So when I grew up, I just appreciate how much she was struggling to ensure that we are eating. The most life-changing thing that happened to me in uh, high school, first of all, on the first day that I joined, I was the smallest boy in the class. And um, when the teacher entered the class for the first time, uh, he just looked around and pointed to me and said, you'll be the leader of this class. I tried to protest, but he said, this is what I've said. And uh, from there on, I was the leader of that class for the two years I was in, uh, in A-level. My first week of leading the class was interesting because the first task I had in my, my head was to get to know all the students in the class, some who are huge and uh, you think you don't want to mess with them, others who are introverts. So it, it was interesting trying to learn the characters in as fast a way as possible. There was one particular boy who felt that uh, I was not 
the correct person, especially that first week. He thought that uh, he should have been the one appointed to lead the class because he thought he had the personality. I think for him, I, after realizing that uh, he had that mindset, what I tried to do was to create friendship with him and uh, I would uh, go to him to consult. I actually made him look like uh, an important person in the class uh, who had a say in, in, in things that uh, were happening in the class. Once he realized that um, I'm a friend and I, I listen to what he says, that perhaps changed his mind. At the age of 20, after school, I some sort of mixed feelings, sort of uh, feeling that I'm adult, an adult, because I've led people who are now joining university or college. Uh, at the same time, I was aware that uh, unless I'm, I'm financially independent or I can be able to take care of myself, then I'm still a child, I'm still a boy at that stage. I felt that things were improving for me in terms of career and direction. When I applied to the Public Service Commission and uh, I was called for an interview. And on the day when I was going for my interview, I visited one of my relatives who used to work at the Ministry of Education. And um, she was a civil servant. So I told her about my interview in that afternoon. And she just took me through some of the, some of the ways that those interviews uh, would be conducted. And I felt really confident. And um, when I went into the interview room, the panelists were looking at my papers. One of them remarked, these are very good papers. So as I moved from that room, I felt that uh, I have given a good account of myself. And sure enough, after three weeks, I got a letter asking me to report to the ministry headquarters for deployment. Uh, the sad part of that was that I was then now deployed to the coast and uh, having no money, it was even a challenge to report for, for duty because the government doesn't give you any money up front. Uh, they don't pay your salaries uh, on time, say the first month. So it meant I needed to look for money uh, to start up with. And that year was a very difficult year. That was 1993. That's a time when inflation had just gone over the roof. And um, my, my brothers could not even afford to uh, give me fare to go down to Mombasa. My first romantic relationship was with a girl who stayed with uh, her parents on the ground floor. Uh, where I rented uh, a room on the first floor. So every morning as I went to work, 
I sort of realized that uh, she would come out to greet me as, as I went. Uh, originally, I didn't pay a lot of attention to her, uh, but uh, one time when I was coming back from work and I found her, uh, she greeted me and uh, I think we started, I cannot remember the very first words, but uh, then I ended up saying, can you visit me upstairs? And uh, everything else started falling in place. The happiest moment of that relationship for me is uh, when we went out to the beach one day and we spent almost the, the whole day talking and uh, watching people swimming. And then uh, when I also tried my, my hand in, in fishing, because this, this mentor of mine used to fish, and uh, he actually would fish and get fish to the family. So I also acquired a rod that I would use to, to do some fishing. I was crap at it, but uh, we went out with her and we tried our hand in fishing. And that day we were lucky, actually, we caught some two fish which we, we went and fed on. Uh, when the relationship ended, it was uh, sad for me. I did not realize that it has ended because I thought she's just going and she'll be back. But then when she went, there was no communication. I, I kept hoping that uh, we would communicate, but it didn't work out. Then it drowned on me that uh, we will never be meeting again. Working in Lamu became very challenging at that time. And the road between Lamu and uh, Malindi was a very dangerous road. And this is because there was this instability in Somali after the president was, uh, the, after the coup. Uh, so lots of gunmen on the road that uh, would attack passenger vehicles at one time. I was involved in an attack. We had gone to Mombasa to e exhibit what we do agriculturally in, in Lamu. So when we were coming back, uh, we were attacked by bandits. Uh, as we moved on a bend on the road, uh, we found many gunmen. They shot in the air. The last time I had been canned was when I was in primary school. But on that day, those guys canned us for no, for no reason because they were speaking the Somali language and we were not understanding what they were saying and they thought we were defying them uh, and apparently they were asking us to remove our clothes and put it in the car. So they stripped us naked. Then they kept canning us into the bush so that uh, we can disappear and they disappeared with the, with the car. We were very scared because, first of all, we didn't know whether all those gunmen had gone away. So we even feared coming back onto the road. And uh, we just tried stopping 
this truck. I see this truck was also driven by people of Somali origin, so we didn't know what we were getting into. So we only started being happy when we entered the police station at Witu. It, it was very important that uh, we praise God that we survived because those people, those bandits, would not hesitate to kill somebody. In fact, one of my friends, uh, who was an administrator, was killed uh, one week after that on the same road, him and his driver. I remained with that picture in my head for a long time, and uh, that prompted me to ask for a transfer immediately. I met my wife in 1999 when I came uh, from Lamu and transferred to Western Butere. I met her that year and uh, we got married uh, in 2000. Yeah, so I, I really liked her, her intelligence and her, her humility. That's what attracted me most to her. She has an infectious laugh, my wife. She, she's always happy and uh, she does not hesitate to laugh at, uh, at a joke or, or a situation. Many people who don't know her, sometimes they wonder whether she ever gets annoyed, you know. So th that's what I like about her. But she has a still that uh, people who don't live with her don't know. As I worked for the government, I was also working for the Sendakau program, looking at the way Sendakau was supporting farmers and the type of farmers they were supporting. I really associated myself and recognized my own past in the farmers that were being supported. Looking at my childhood and offering hope, to the farmers we are working with in Sendakau. Sometimes when we are out there in the field or with farmers, I give them my own experience as to where I came from and how, how we, we struggled, making them see that um, it is possible to come out of that situation, especially if you are able to change your attitude and you are able to work hard. No situation is as hopeless as people would think. Thank you, Titus, for that wonderful interview. Sendakau Kenya are currently working to empower even more people out of poverty than before, with the mother and child appeal aimed at helping 73,000 new mothers to grow nutritious food to feed their children. If you want to join Titus and his team in helping to give these farming families a future, please visit sendacow.org now. And that's it. Thank you very much for listening. As before, please do leave a review in our iTunes uh, reviews section. And otherwise, we'll see you in the next episode. Mm -hmm.